Hello everyone. Hello. Welcome to the stream today. My name is Emily. Um, I'm one of the Chatterbug tutors and streamers from Canada and I am currently streaming to you live from Panama. Um, so nice to have you here today. We are going to be talking about cross-cultural communication. Um, so we have people from all over the world joining us here on the Chatterbug app, of course. Um, please come say hi in the app. Let me know where you're from. And yes, yeah, so today we're going to learn about some of the different, different ways that cultures differ. Um, so it is a spectrum, of course, and this isn't meant to be, um, you know, exact. There's, of course, going to be variations for individuals, but this is in general um, how cultures communicate. Okay, perfect. And if we haven't met before, yeah, my name's Emily. Nice to have you here. Excellent. Let's get started. So cross-cultural communication is a dialogue of any kind or any kind of interaction, um, could be verbal and nonverbal, between people of different nationalities. Um, and I'm curious if you work in an international company. So maybe you are working on your English because you speak you speak with um, other clients or coworkers in other countries. Uh, today, we're going to be focusing kind of on business communication, but of course, this can relate to uh, your personal life as well. So let's see who we have here today. Eddie, Aram, Maba Kanito, Hakim, nice to see you, Jafar, Edgar, Edgar, and Yasim from Kurdistan. Awesome. Nice to have you here. Okay, so we have a mix. Some people are working in international companies and so maybe this is something you've come up with, um, I guess, uh, come across before. And so throughout the stream, if you have some examples of working with people from other cultures where maybe it was challenging because you had some sort of like communication conflict, I would love to hear some examples. So when you give an example, please, uh, state your country and the country of the person you're talking about and uh, teach us about what happened and how did you overcome this conflict. Okay. Let's see here. So let's let's start off with that actually. It would be great. So Hakim, you said you worked at a multinational company before. Do you have an example where um, it was challenging for some reason working with someone from another culture? Um, Emilio from Spain, nice to have you here. If you've worked with people from other cultures, uh, give me an example. All right, and which pronunciation? So my accent is from Canada, but I also lived about eight years in the UK. So sometimes it might be a little bit mixed, but I moved to the UK when I was 22. So I didn't really pick up much of an accent, even though I was there for quite a long time. So my accent is from Canada. Okay, let's see. So an example here that can be maybe working with people from other religions can be difficult. Okay, so maybe could you give us an example? Was it perhaps that the person um, was gone for some days for their uh, religious observations or Give me an example. And if you can, 
let's see here. If you can say in your example which country you're from and which country the other people are from, then it may help us understand how different they could be. Um, so of course, expressions can be different, absolutely. So let's say even as a English as a second language um, learner, you learn some expressions that aren't relevant in the UK if you've been learning American English, things like that. Um, okay. Yeah, so let me know if you have some examples. I'll keep going to the next slide. So if you can't add more examples, then just throughout the chat, you could, you could let us know. Um, so an example from Ilaria, you might offend someone without wanting to. Um, so working in an English school, um, which is very multicultural in Italy, I guess. Sometimes it can be complicated to talk to another person totally to try to understand them. Maybe you've never met someone from that country and so you don't quite understand the way they think. Mm. Great example from Hakim. Yeah, hand gestures can be mean different things. So like for me, this means okay, but I think in other cultures it can be something rude. <laughs> um, yes, totally. And Mohammed said, it wasn't hard, it was fun, and I learned something from him. Yeah. So I think anytime you are dealing with people from another culture, of course, the best thing to have is just an open mind. If they're doing something that's a bit different from what you're used to, um, it's an opportunity to learn. So why is it so important? Um, a lot of us are working in a multicultural environment now. Uh, there's global remote working companies set up. So you might have staff from all over the world. You're working on projects um, together. And diversity and inclusion is really important. So it's great to have these people from different cultures um, and backgrounds so that we get better ideas overall. Um, and I think it just makes us more successful. Let's see here. Example from Novocaine. Um, so the concept of affection is different, totally. Yeah, so in kind of some Northern countries like US, Canada and Europe, they can be a bit colder, totally. It's funny because they actually are colder regions, of course, to live. Um, absolutely, yeah, if you compare maybe a person working in Sweden, they're gonna be maybe harder to get to know personally versus working in Southern Spain, for instance, it's gonna be a different culture of how people relate to each other. So that's a great example, Novocaine boy. Okay, so we're gonna go through eight examples. Um, and this is from a book that I read, so I will tell you the name of the book at the end. And if you are someone who is working um, in different cultures or it's just something that interests you, I highly recommend this book. It's a great one. Okay, so communicating, our first topic. There's low context and high context. Low context meaning that people are more explicit, they're more direct about what they want to say. And high context, they're more implicit, so they might kind of talk around what they actually want to say. Um, hopefully the image is big enough for you to see on your phone. I don't know if you put it sideways if it will make it bigger for you hopefully. Um, let me know if, if the images are okay. But anyways, these are from the book. So I'll give you the book name and you can check it out later. So an example of um, 
the most explicit or the most direct culture is the United States, which kind of makes sense because it's a young country of immigrants um, that's all come together and they pride themselves on straight talking, being direct. Um, so in a low context culture like this, like the US, good communication means that you're precise, simple and clear to the point. Um, messages are understood at face value, which means that there's no kind of hidden meaning. Uh, whereas in a high context country, like for example, we have Japan, Korea and Indonesia on that side, um, good communication is a bit more nuanced and layered. So there might, you might have to, what we say, uh, read between the lines. So it's not necessarily what someone is saying exactly. Um, there might be some implications. And then of course it's a, um, it, there's a there's a range, you know, and this isn't meant to be <laughs> everyone, but this is in general for countries. So in the middle, somewhere between the two, we have places like Poland and Brazil. So tell me, are you from a low or high context country for communication? So do you think that in general, um, so whether you work or you're a student, what have you experienced? Is it a more direct society or a more indirect society or somewhere in the middle? And if you have an example of working with people who were the opposite of you for this, where it was maybe kind of challenging, um, please let me know. As a personal example, I, um, so I grew up in Canada and I moved to the UK when I was 22. And so I moved from a more direct culture to more indirect. And so what did this mean? This meant that um, a lot of the feedback I had um, at my work was that I was too direct. But for me, I thought that I was being straightforward and to the point. And so I kind of had to change a bit of my approach. Um, otherwise, people thought it was too, you know, too much. <laughs> um, let me know in the chat if you've had a similar experience when you've been working with people from different, different cultures. All right, let's go to number two. But let's see here, it's so mixed. So a lot of people from a direct culture. So maybe from, um, yeah, Middle East, Northern Europe, North America. Okay, let's keep going. Evaluating. So this talks about how people receive, give and receive negative feedback. So, it's kind of funny here because the previous one, we said that people from the US are very direct. However, when it comes to giving negative feedback or receiving negative feedback, it's, they're a bit more in the middle. Um, so maybe you've, you've uh, worked with some Americans and you would know that maybe they don't take negative feedback that well in general. And so usually when there's maybe a business context of giving negative feedback, they'll always try to make sure there's enough positive feedback to balance it out, right? Um, so how well do people take negative feedback? In places like Israel, Russia, and the Netherlands, negative feedback is fine. People take it on board, no problem. And on the other end of the scale, we have Japan, Thailand, and Indonesia, where they will be very indirect. So they really do not want to give negative feedback. It can be seen as losing face in some of these um, cultures. Losing face means kind of uh, yeah, feeling a bit ashamed or upset by it. So if you're working with people from different countries and you are responsible for giving them feedback, it's definitely important to consider maybe where they're coming from.
important care. And so Hakim says, I'm from a high context culture. However, I personally like to be straight to the point, right? So maybe because you've worked in some multinational organizations, you've kind of taken on that approach um, because it kind of works better for whatever your situation is. And let's see. And so France, in this example of Babette, uh, France kind of lies more towards direct negative feedback, but not as strong as somewhere like the Netherlands. And yeah, Mexico is to the to the right side of the scale as well. So it's interesting to think about, isn't it? Like um, that your, you know, your culture does it does influence you so much for all these kinds of communication, which right now we're focusing on more business context, but of course this applies in personal life too. Okay, let's keep going. So what do you think? What kind of negative feedback does your culture give? So we already had some people in the chat say, yeah, Mexico would be more indirect. Italians might be more on the direct side. And do you have an example of maybe giving feedback to someone or receiving it? What do you think is the best way? Let's say you have someone on your team who is underperforming. What would be your approach to give them feedback? Would you, there's a Thing that we I learned I don't know when a long time ago but they talked about kind of the sandwich of feedback so you give something positive the negative is the middle of the sandwich and then something positive again to kind of you know close it off let me know if you've heard of that before um, or what your kind of experience has been with with feedback okay so quite a mix here which I think of course just makes us realize you know we need to consider this when we are giving and receiving feedback. Someone might not be trying to hurt your feelings if they're giving you direct feedback. They're, they're wanting you to improve, right? So it's kind of changing the mindset around feedback. Okay. Let's keep going. Number three, persuading. So are you from a concept first or application first country? So this means that, um, you know, on the, the left hand of the scale, we have France and Italy, where they are going to focus on theories and concepts before presenting something as fact. So they're going to kind of give you the background information. Whereas Anglo-Saxon cultures, so Australia, Canada, US, um, they're going to focus more on the practical. So they're going to tell you right away the practical um, application, and then they might give you the backup after. So it's it's kind of how people like to give or receive information. If you're trying to persuade someone to do something, you know, do you think it's better to like say, here's all the facts, and then this is where it lands, or is it better to say, this is how it lands, and this is how I got there? What do you prefer? What's more persuasive to you? Uh, this can come up in presentations, how people lead meetings, or write emails. So tell me, do you think that you are more, or not necessarily you, but your culture, the people from your country, are they more concept first? So they, you want to give the theory or are you more application first? So you want to give the kind of final point right away. Um, Maba Canito says, always try to give constructive feedback. Absolutely. Yeah, feedback is there to help people improve and learn, right? That's the idea. You don't want to just hurt people's feelings. Um, 
And then Edgar says in Mexico, we, I think you mean we hardly critique each other? Or maybe critique is what you're thinking there? And then Dogenbor says, try to say positive things before you give the real feedback. Yeah, sometimes it's, this can be um, helpful. Okay, and Hakim, you say application first is more persuading in your opinion. Great, so I mean that's, but that comes back to what people are gonna prefer. You also have personality types that come into play here. So if you have, um, I did a stream on MBTI the other day. I don't remember if you've seen that, but um, the Myers-Briggs type indicator, one of them is how people prefer information. So are they big picture or are they detailed? So it depends on who's making the decision. If you are trying to get someone to decide who's very detail oriented, then you probably do want to show the theory and like all those details for them. But if you are trying to get your boss, your board, who are very big picture oriented, then you're going to want to tell them what the point is pretty fast. And then there might be kind of extra information after. So it depends who you're trying to convince of course, and so it's something to keep in mind when you're writing emails or reports. Okay, so most people are um, concept first here, right? So they're, they're wanting to build up the theory and all the points, and then they're gonna come to the conclusion, right? So think about who it is that are making your decisions and what they're gonna want to read. Perfect. Let's go to number four, so leadership. So um, forms of leadership tend to be more egalitarian, so more equal, or more hierarchical, so like this. Um, so an example from the left side of the scale is Denmark, where someone who's a managing director um, would be seen as one of the group. So they're just one of the guys or girls, you know, they're, they're one of the group. Whereas on the other uh, side of the scale, Japan and Korea, the boss should be quite um, far above the workers. So the egalitarian, the distance between boss and subordinates or workers is low. And then the distance in the hierarchical would be much higher. Um, an egalitarian boss, um, you know, might not care if you skip hier hierarchy to go get decisions done. Whereas in the hierarchical country, you have to kind of follow a line of communication very strictly. Right, so what other ones do we have on the, so on the egalitarian side, yeah, so Denmark, we talked about Netherlands and Sweden, and on the, on the other side, hierarchical, uh, Japan, Korea, and Nigeria, um, and with Canada, a bit more egalitarian, and the UK, where I lived and worked for a while, is kind of right in the middle, it's a mix. So what about where you are from? Do you think leadership is more egalitarian? So is the leader part of the group um, or is it hierarchical? So a status is very important. Titles are very important. Um, you know, the boss is the boss. Let's hear what you think. And maybe if you have an example, so Do you have an example of um, what your company is like specifically? Do you have a company that has lots of layers um, or is it more kind of a big group? Even if there are titles, titles really don't matter so much. Let me know in the chat if titles are very important in your culture. So what is your job title?
right. And hello, Mary from Uzbekistan. Nice to have you here. We're learning about cross-cultural communication today. All right, so lots of people saying in between or hierarchical, not so many egalitarians. So very interesting. Um, you know, if you're working again at a multinational company, it's really important to know, uh, you know, maybe where, where the, where's the headquarters of that company? What's the tendency of that culture? That might tell you something about how business is gonna be done in that company. Lots of in-betweens. Okay, so let's go to number five. Deciding. Um, so this is kind of close to leadership, but a little bit, little bit different. So are decisions made consensually? So you build consensus in a group, or is it very top down? Um, so an example of where this is different from leadership is Japan has very hierarchical leadership people really like to have kind of their place in the company. However, building consensus at a lower level or at a company level is very important for decisions to be made. So it's not just gonna be, even though the leadership is very important, it's not gonna be entirely up to them to make decisions. Um, yeah, I think for me, I think probably a mix is what I prefer. Uh, the UK is right in there in the middle. Because I think sometimes if you focus so much on building consensus, then uh, decisions can take forever to be made. So I have worked some places that were more consensual. And it can be actually very frustrating sometimes. You know, you're trying to make everyone happy, trying to get everyone's input, but um, not with everything, maybe. <laughs> so I think probably I also kind of fall somewhere in the middle on this one of what my, my preference would be. Okay, so an example from Saudi Arabia, from Hakim, if I want to raise a problem regarding something with work um, to the CEO, you cannot go to them directly, you have to go through your direct manager, right? And then maybe they will decide whether that issue gets raised too, right? It might, it might just stop at your direct manager, which would be very frustrating if you are trying to um, make changes. Okay, and so how are decisions made in your culture? Um, is it all about building consensus? So making sure kind of the team is on board in general? Um, is it more top down or a mix? As I said, my preference would probably be to work somewhere that it's a mix. Um, somewhere, yeah, somewhere in the middle. I think awareness about decisions is important too. So even if there are some decisions that are are top-down, I think communicating them to the team, kind of keeping people aware. Um, one company I worked at did kind of quarterly updates for the whole company. So that was a good way to tell people what's going on. So that was at the higher level and then at the lower levels, like at the lower teams, they maybe did monthly updates to that team and what's being talked about in board meetings, director meetings, things like that. So that people feel like even if decisions are being made or they're in process, um, people are aware. So, so Hakim, you said it's hierarchical there. Do you like that? Do you think, I think it can be efficient for sure, but sometimes maybe then people's, um, people's thoughts and opinions aren't taken into account. What do you think? Is it, what would be your preference if you were going to work somewhere? Or if you were going to be a leader, what would you do? 
Okay, let's go to the next one. So we have quite a mix there. All right, hopefully you're learning some new vocab here too. If you ever do have questions about the vocab, just add, add your um, questions in the chat. But lots of content here, but I think it's, it's all important to learn for our working lives and it can be applicable in our personal lives too. Okay, so trusting. Are um, people in your country more task-based or relationship-based? So let's explain this a little bit. So in places like the US, which is all the way task-based or Netherlands and Denmark, um, the idea is that people don't worry so much about trusting others because they trust a lot in their legal system. So if they have a contract that uh, the other person doesn't follow through on, they are not worried about what's going to happen. So that contract can still um, be forced through the courts. Whereas in many emerging markets, um, personal relationships are the most important. And this is partly because people might not trust their um, legal system to enforce those business contracts. So on the task-based side, someone might say, you do good work consistently, you are reliable, I enjoy working with you, therefore I trust you. Whereas on the relationship side, someone might say, I've shared personal time with you, I know others well who trust you, therefore I trust you. So do you see the difference of like where trust comes from and how important it is? Um, in the task-based countries, work relationships are pretty much based on practicality and they might be built and dropped quite easily. Whereas in a relationship-based country, you know, you're gonna go for meals together, drinks, spend time visiting, um, maybe even get to know each other personally, and it's gonna be built up over time. So it's, that's quite a, a drastic difference um, between these, these cultures. And so if you're working if you move to another country that's different from yours, it's important to know how can you succeed in work. Um, so Mama Canito says in Mexico, it's very important to get along with your boss. So would you say in Mexico, um, of course, getting along, but do you get to know them personally? Like, do you see them outside of work? Do you go for lunch together or go for drinks after work? Um, how do you get to know your boss and get along with them? Do you have some examples? All right, so what do you think? Is your society more task-based or relationship-based? And do you have an example of how this, how this has worked um, in your career, in your professional life? Mm -hmm. I think um, probably Canada and the UK where I've lived and worked have they're, prob they're probably not as strong as um, somewhere like the United States. It's probably a bit closer to the middle. Um, I mean, in the UK, we do a lot of social activities at companies. People are going out, you know, going out for go to the pub after work a lot. Companies will often um, often organize, you know, big social events, summer party, a winter party, all these things. So I think in the UK, it's, yeah, probably Canada's not as far as the US and then the UK is kind of a bit further along. Okay, and so yeah, in Mexico, it'd be personally and professionally that you want to get to know your boss and your colleagues in order to succeed. So a lot of relationship-based um, countries 
and cultures we have here today. Okay, so Yasin says it's based about what I know about the person, not about what they've done. Interesting. So, you know, yeah, the task base is going to say, no, I want to see what are the results? What have you done? And in other countries, it's going to be like, what kind of person are you? Are you a good person? Can I trust you? Very interesting. All right, let's see here. Disagreeing. So there's um, the scale here goes from confrontational to avoids confrontation. This is a little bit similar to negative feedback as well. Um, but it's more just when you have a disagreement about something. So how acceptable is it to disagree openly with other people at work? Um, so in a confrontational society, maybe Israel, France, Germany, Russia, Netherlands, on that side of the scale, disagreement and debate are seen as positive things. So you can be in a meeting and you can start debating a topic um, and having kind of open confrontation and this is appropriate and it will not negative, negatively impact the relationship or the team. Whereas if you are from a country such as Indonesia, Japan or Thailand and you start to be disagreeing in a meeting, trying to start a debate about some topic, um, this is going to be inappropriate and you're going to break group harmony and maybe do damage to the relationships. Okay, and so we can see in the middle we have the US and UK um, of that scale. All right, so what do you think? When disagreeing, is your society more confrontational or avoiding confrontation? So, of course, sometimes you might still need to deal with issues. You can't just avoid issues, but maybe there's a more uh, nuanced or indirect way that people deal with issues. Let me know if you're from a if you're from a culture. So, a couple of people have said they're from somewhere that avoids confrontation. Give me an example then of how you deal with issues. What if there is a problem, or you think someone is going to make a mistake, or there's a point that needs to be discussed further? and you disagree with someone, what is your approach then? Do you maybe take the person aside? Do you just ignore it because that's for like the people higher up to deal with? Um, what would be your approach if you are from one of those cultures where people avoid confrontation? Okay. Let's go on to the last one, scheduling. So this, I think this is one of the most obvious differences when you have um, kind of cultural communication, what people expect, uh, um, is it gonna be linear or is it flexible? So on one extreme, you have the very precise Germans and Swiss, of course the Swiss are famous for their watches. Um, and uh, on the other side of the spectrum, you have kind of Latin America, Africa, Middle East, and India, where they are extremely flexible in their approach to work. So as an example, on the linear side, if they're working on projects, it's gonna be done sequentially. So in order, one task before the next, one thing at a time, and interruptions are not welcome. So no interruptions. They wanna focus on the deadline, the schedule, and um, promptness and organization is valued over flexibility. Uh, so on the other side, places like Saudi Arabia, India, Nigeria, and Kenya, 
they are valuing flexible time. So projects will happen in a more fluid manner. Um, they might be changing tasks. Many things might be dealt with at once and interruptions are okay. And so they're more focused on being adaptable and flexible over organized and having just kind of a one route forward. So Hakeem says, I believe that confrontation is more healthy to the relationship, especially in the work environment. Yeah, so there's definitely like a way to do like healthy or constructive confrontation, totally. So I guess maybe you need to have a strong enough relationship first before you start confronting people. But once you've built up that relationship, trust, respect, then it's a bit easier. Yazan says, if I interrupt someone, mm -hmm, if I interrupt someone, um, then they might think it's personal. Yeah, so it's a tricky one to know how to um, how to word things, the timing of things. This will all be important if you're working in an international setting. Okay, so this is our last one. Are you from a linear, fixed, or a flexible society? Do things one at a time, flexible or or mixed. So I would say that naturally, so I'm more linear, um, but I think over time from traveling different places, I, I did like an exchange in Brazil for six months. So that was very, that's on the far side of flexible. So that taught me a different way of doing things. Um, it made me more adaptable, I think, trying to live in other countries. I've been traveling in Latin America for about nine months now. And so again, interacting with people from these other cultures, it kind of like shows me another way that people do things. So I would say that naturally, and from the cultures I'm from, it's more linear, but I've probably personally become more mixed over time from my interactions with other people. Okay, so most of our group here today is from, are from flexible societies. Excellent. Let me know in the chat if you do have any other examples as well. So as a recap, those were the eight. Communicating, evaluating, persuading, leading, deciding, trusting, disagreeing, and scheduling. So eight. That was a lot of content to go through today, um, but I think it's a really important topic. Um, so the book that I read on this topic, which I really enjoyed and I took some of the um, points from it for this. It's called Culture Map. Uh, it's written by Erin Meyer. She's a professor at INSEAD in Paris, which is one of the leading international management schools. Um, so you can check out, she has her website or you can get it probably online anywhere. Um, but if this is something that you are interested in, I definitely recommend checking out that book. And as a final question, is there a certain culture you don't understand but are curious about? So is there one that you would like to know more about? So someone mentioned um, maybe people from other religions, different regions like that. Is there a certain culture you're curious about? So Hakim said Chinese culture. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I think it's definitely worthwhile to understand the cultures of some of these big powerhouse countries, especially because they're going to 
have a lot of influence on the way the world the world is working today and in the future. So yeah, the Japanese culture, very powerful in technology and super interesting culture. All right. You can let me know in the chat if you have some other ideas, but um, for those of you who are interested in learning about another culture, I'll give you a bit of homework. Of course, this is you know up to you if you want to do this or not. But um, go research a culture that's different from your own, and maybe um, watch this stream again and or or get the book and take down those eight scales and see what can you learn about them. So they're very different from you. Um, what can you learn about the way that things work in that country and that culture? And if you want to come share with me on another stream sometime in the chat what you've learned, then that is very welcome. All right. Um, just as one last final thing, if you have any ideas for streams that interest you, um, very open to ideas. Here's the link for the community forum where you can go and add your ideas. You can always just add them in a stream chat too. I've got a list of some different animals people want to hear about. Um, any random topic. There's a ton on the stream or the streaming app of already, of course, on Chatterbug. So anything new and different that you're curious about learning about is great. Okay, perfect. It's nice to have you here today. Thank you for joining me. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Take care. Bye.